Hello, this is Mark Snowden, and you've reached my podcast. I call this one Trellis and Vine Thinking. Um, I stumbled across a, a book that uh, was on my shelf the other day, and it's been a while since I've read it, but uh, I, it, it really brought back a lot of thoughts. Colin Marshall and Tony Payne wrote this book called The Trellis and the Vine, and it continues to, to bear some, some truth in my life and things that I've been able to point on. Uh, point out the the book pointed to the need for the structure of the church to bear healthy spiritual fruit. They frame this balancing act by describing a vine that grew on a trellis. Now, if your priority is the trellis, according to Marshall and Payne, then you'll trim the vine to make sure that it doesn't uh, grow beyond the trellis. Um, some call this institutional boundaries. Uh, I call it self-imposed limitations. Some caretakers become so enamored with the trellis that they fail to tend to the vine. And the vine's what produces the fruit. Snippets from the vine can even be plucked out and added to additional trellises to spread the fruit-bearing gospel, mainly by church planting. So why not just plant new churches and channel all evangelism in that direction? Now, I'm fully supportive of rapidly producing church planting, but here's the catch. In the two church plants with which I've been related, less than 5% of their members were newly born again and newly baptized. Most members came from other churches. Yes, baptisms are higher statistically in plants. However, baptisms are often primarily from those transferring membership from non-Baptist or mainline Christian denominations that use sprinkling. There's another perhaps bigger reason why established churches must not rely only on church plants to carry the freight in evangelism and disciple-making. In 2007, the North American Mission Board studied nine evangelical agencies that sent out missionaries and found that 68% succeeded across the U.S. And of those who did get a church planted, the average attendance after three years was never above 73 people. So if Cincinnati's one and a half million lost are to be saved in this generation, church-based evangelism carried out through disciple-making is essential, right along with church planting efforts, of course. And I must add that this can be also done through unfunded house church multiplication. The good news is this model exists, and there is a model that exists that can be used right away. I call workers in the harvest a training method that I have used to start new churches on a shoestring. I use the acronym for workers in the harvest is WITH, W-I-T-H, and a cross-cultural variation of WITH is people teams, which I have worked on uh, this year. I want to go back because WITH training was used among 19 church members while I was in Missouri. They started a biker church and Hispanic church within 90 days. Now, don't back down when you hear of other churches that may start sending out people two by two to witness to form new small groups. Frankly, I wish every church in this association had a consistent, regular outreach strategy. So, new churches are not your church's competition. 
Instead, I'd say that sinful lifestyle, recreational pursuits, and entertainment makes people too busy or distracted for our churches. In the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20, Jesus pointed out there were three things that prevented fruit bearing. Satan played a role, persecution played a role, but he also pointed out that distractions of this world and the pursuit of things not of God all prevented believers from bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. As David Garrison pointed out in his book, Church Planting Movements, we must remove barriers within our churches so that when God chooses to begin a movement, there are as few as possible things or barriers to restrict growth. Kaaba and its churches must tend to both the trellis and the vine, drawing ever closer to Jesus, because apart from him, we can do nothing, as it's recorded in John 15, 5.